Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week, we review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course, our fellow podcasters. Check us out on the web at nomcastpod.com. Follow us on the socials at nomcastpod. And most importantly, listen and subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. Hit that beat one time. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews, and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. No, you're gross. You know you're gross. I don't see, I don't. Oh, whoa, whoa, that's not what we do here on FC. That is what I do. <laughs> He's adjusting himself in his car with the lights on. He doesn't yeah. even turn the light off in his car. Uh, Gremlins 2. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. <laughs> ah, dads, gotta love him. What have I done? What have I done? Hello, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that for a variety of reasons was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film or maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music or wherever you're listening to this podcast. What up? I don't like saying that, but hey, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> what up? What up? What up? Well, it's better. It's than your new, it's your new intro. <laughs> oh no, my woo staying. You got to create your own. Uh, I don't want. Own I, don't, woo. I don't. I don't need my own woo. What are we gonna put on your T-shirt then? Shut up, Butler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with that? How's everyone doing? Uh, Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm Enjoying doing well. your coffee. My chocolate babka coffee. Yes, I, I am. Coffee cake coffee. So, I am a little jealous. That's what I was supposed to get. This well, week. you you screwed up. I did screw up. You screwed up. Uh, now everyone knows that we drink coffee while we do this podcast, which is probably why we're so animated. Nah. Woo! Nah, here we go. <laughs> so what movie are we doing today, Mike? We are doing 1994's The War. Ooh, The War. In 1970s rural Mississippi, Vietnam veteran Stephen Simmons adjusts to life after military service. Plagued by nightmares about his wartime experiences, Stephen finds some measure of peace in his new mining job and his relationship with his wife, Lois. As Stephen works through his battle trauma, his children's son, Stu, and daughter, Lydia, wage a war against a group of neighborhood kids over the ownership of a treehouse. This is the war. Woo! <laughs> you had never seen this before, correct? I had never even uh, heard of this you movie before. You had never even sniffed this movie. Not once. So the war is, has a runtime of 126 minutes. It's rated PG-13, production budget of $34 million. It was released on Friday, November 4th, 1994. I was 21. I was seven. I take that back. I was not 21. I was <laughs> 19. Oh my God, I can't do math. I was 19. 
Opening weekend, it made $5 million. Domestic, $17 million, And that is also the worldwide. Probably because it either was not released or didn't do that well. Uh, production company, you had Island World and Avnet Kerner Productions. And then distributed by Universal Pictures. So, on the 4th of November, it went up against Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Have you ever seen that? I have. It's good. I know you've seen Double Dragon. It also came up against oh, Of that. course I've seen Double Dragon. <laughs> and then in a limited release, Oleana and Pontiac Moon. And then on November 11th, the day after Veterans Day, though, excuse me, the week after, you had Interview with the Vampire and the Santa Claus. Ah, the Santa Claus. The first time I ever went to a sold out show was the Santa Claus. Really? It was a matinee show. And it was at the uh, Cherry Street Theater. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time I ever saw it so packed. I actually had to sit with my little brother and not with my parents because we all had to get seats somewhere else. And I sat in the very front row. Wow. Tim Allen and his giant gloriness right, right there. Packing them in. Yeah. Nice. Nice. That huh? was very, very popular. Uh, you also had. Uh, so the week after that, I, I wanted to put this in there because I know you're a dork and a geek. Oh, uh, thanks. On the 18th, of, <laughs> on November 18th, two, 1994, what came out, Butler? Well, that would be, uh, was that Star Trek Generations? Yep, Star yeah. Trek Generations. Right after the show ended, earlier in that summer. <laughs> uh, I just saw I threw that in there as well. Blew up the set. <laughs> <laughs> so the week uh, before the fourth, before the war came out, you had uh, October 28th, you had Stargate. Very popular and not that bad. Silent mm-hmm. Fall, not the Silent Fall video game one, the Richard Dreyfuss or Silent Fall. You were thinking Silent Hills. Excuse me, Silent Hill, I was thinking, but the movie stinks anyways. Squanto, <laughs> A Warrior's Tale, and The Road to Wellville. And you also had a limited uh, release of Drop Squad. And I'm sitting here writing these notes and I'm going, why does this sound familiar? Because I know I've talked about Drop Squad before on the podcast. And that is because on the 26th, which is, uh, which is the Wednesday, you had The Last Seduction, which is an episode we did hey. a while back. So yeah, that's why I was like, I know I talked about Drop Squad. Because like, why? Why not that? And so I started going back through the, like the website and then I noticed it. So I've go. actually seen a surprising amount of the films you listed. Good. That's that's good. Yeah, 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 that's that's good. To, that's good to know. It's good to hear. Yeah, well, we're also yeah. in the 90s. It's not like the 90s is that far from from us. So, right. Yeah. This movie was directed by John Abnett. He had done Fried Green Tomatoes. As if you watch the trailer for this movie, that's all I talk about in the trailer from the director <laughs> of Fried Green Tomatoes. And they they said it like three times in the trailer. He also did Red Corner, which I actually is a Richard Gear film that I don't that might be for the list, too, because I like that movie, but never talk about it. Hmm. And he also did Righteous Kill. Written by Kathy oh, McWhorter. Oh, Righteous, the newer one. Righteous with, Kill. With Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I did, did I say it was good? Uh, did I sit here and just tell no, you? No, but it needed good? to be, it needed some moans of sadness. <laughs> <laughs> Written by Kathy McWhorter. Uh, this, her other credits are, she has nothing else. She has no other credits. But, <laughs> but don't laugh because I have a note here. So in 1990, uh, Miss McWhorter sold a script called The Cheese Stands Alone to Paramount. For $1 million, and that at the time was the highest fee ever paid to a female screenwriter, which I thought wow. was pretty, pretty cool. Um, and also the fact that she, and in the article I was reading, she had a couple of the scripts that were sold and none of them went came to production. You saw none of them. You just saw this one. It's like that should tell you what it's like to, quote unquote, break through in Hollywood or, you know, there's t- tons of scripts are sold that you never see the light of day. Just yep. amazing. Just pretty. I thought Go up that to a match. What are you? I'm a screenwriter. What have you written? Nothing you've ever so that, seen. That's the thing. So, like, <laughs> you know, so when I sit here and say Kathy McWhorter is a screenwriter and then uh, her other credits are nothing, that's a little, that's a misnomer because that's not true. She, you know, she was doing stuff, but it just it never made it to the screen, which is just, it's unfortunate. It sucks, but it's the business. Did she ever do any? Because I also noticed she didn't have any screen credits, but I didn't look into 
Did she write any books or anything like that afterwards? I didn't Did look into any like kind of novelization. Of okay. That. No, no. But I mean, yeah, maybe. We, she made $1 million. So, I mean, hopefully she invested it well. She probably, you know. Set oh, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, she's set. But, you know. No, I hear you. No, it's. I wonder if she dabbles. It's just, uh, <laughs> it's just you know, it's, uh, the business, I guess. Cinematography by Jeffrey Simpson. He has done the 94 uh, Little Women at Fried Green Tomatoes as well. And the movie Shine. Composed by Thomas Newman. We've talked about Newman before in his 15 nominations. Uh, he's more recently, he did 1917, The Little Things, and a couple of tons of Pixar films. Edited by Deborah Neil Fisher. She is uh, recently going to be, she edited Coming to America, the sequel. Coming to with the numeral to America. I'm excited for it. I am too. I mean, she, I'll, I'll know if it's good by the time this comes out, probably, because I think it's out by the time this is out. Is it on private video? So, yeah. Uh, the, she's done the Hangover trilogy and the obviously very popular horror movie Dr. Giggles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Abnet produces as well, so I wanted to get some credits that he had produced that he did not direct. Now maybe you didn't know he produced. Uh, he produced Black Swan. He's done the Mighty Ducks trilogy, the movie Less Than Zero, and Risky Business. And then his partner in this movie, in terms of uh, producing, with Jordan Kerner has done the Smurfs. Again, the Mighty Ducks. I think he's Kerner is doing the Mighty Ducks TV show as well. That's coming out on Disney Plus, and the 1993 version of the Three Musketeers with uh, Kiefer Sutherland's in that. I, I, well, I haven't seen it since I was younger, but I really liked that movie when I was younger. I like the swashbuckling. It's got some aspect. action. Yeah. It's got some decent action. It's funny because I think not a lot. If you haven't seen the Man in the Iron Mask, you don't realize that it's about the Musketeers. Right. Yep. Uh, but you know, I do like that one as well. That is that is good. And I, I didn't realize that was a Musketeer story either. Right. And then right. I was like, oh, that's the Musketeers. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's weird. It's weird that because even I'm trying to remember even the trailers for the man, the Iron Mask. I don't you didn't really get that. That it was No, they really hide yeah, that. Well, they yeah. also really focus on the but, Leo aspect. But the it. Musketeers are older, so they're they're supposed to be like towards the end of, uh, I guess, their career. The, yeah. Quote, yeah. So but anyways, uh, so uh, let's get to the cast. You have Elijah Woods as Stu. Uh, Stu Simmons, excuse me, all the last names are Simmons here, the family. So Elijah Woods plays Stu. Obviously, you may know him from The Faculty, The Good Son, Sin City, and of course, he was in Back to the Future too. For those who don't know, he's at the uh, video game. Uh, Kevin, I like that you skipped The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I mean, everyone knows he's from The Lord of the Rings. Come on. He's also from Wilford. I don't watch that show. I know. It's real. Wilford is really good. Well, you don't like The Faculty? I love The Faculty. Okay, well, then there you go. What's wrong with that? You don't like The Good Son? <laughs> everyone, everyone in the movie rooted for him, for, for him in The Good Son. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Costner as Steven. Uh, he has won an Oscar for Dance with Wolves. He's also Mr. Brooks. That's an episode we did. Yeah. Uh, amongst very um, amongst other big, big films. He's also more recently did McFarlane USA, which is a movie that I think uh, is pretty good in, but people don't talk about. Mayor Winningham plays Lois, uh, his wife. Uh, she was nominated for an Oscar for Georgia. She's also in St. Animals Fire and more recently News of the World. Lexi Randall uh, as uh, Lydia Joanne. She's from she's done the long walk home. The stars fall fell on Henrietta. And she that, that's pretty much it. She doesn't have too many credits. I think she just kind of, you know, uh, you had her friends. Elvedine is played by Latoya Chisholm and Amber Charlotte Julius. Uh, they this is their only credit. So I guess they just one and done. They didn't you know, work, work for the biz. Yeah. A lot of the children just seem to have. There's a couple of them that stayed on. Yeah. Obviously, there's a, a more famous. I'm getting there. Yeah, I'm but, getting there. You're talking about Lucas Black. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I noticed that a lot of the kids, I was like, wow. Well, they must have just got kids that, yeah. I'm surprised that no one stayed on and got like, caught, the, that, caught the bug. You know I'm what I mean? I'm surprised that Latoya, who played Elvadine, did not. Because I thought she was. Yeah, she was really good. good yeah. And I, and I was very surprised that she was just kind of like, nah, I'm done. Or I thought whatever. both of uh, Lydia's friends were good. I, uh, not, I mean, the dirty lip Nikki's, I didn't really know. Some of them, they're fine. They're all were good. 
Yeah. They all weren't where they were like, oof, man, stop. Like, it was just like, you could see another stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it happens. But so the two uh, lip Nickies that I uh, uh, singled out were Christopher Fennell, uh, Billy, who's one of the older kids. He's from the American Gothic TV show and the movie Cold Mountain. And then Lucas Black that Mike was talking about. His name is Eb. I mean, do you think one of the other Nicky's name was Flo? Eb and Flo. <laughs> People know him from Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. He's also in Sling Bait. Mike's going to tell me he's in X-Files, which I know. Yep. He's also in the American Gothic TV so show. So was Christopher now. Oh, X-Files. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. So Lucas Black is also in the NCIS New Orleans show. Do you know that's got 125 episodes already? That's like already into their like six I'm not surprised. Yeah. Holy crap. Syndicate the crap out of those. Those wow. are popular, even though it's the same thing every episode. And then you had Mr. Lipnicki. <laughs> well, everyone loves uh, uh, procedurals because it's comfort food almost. Comfort television. You know what you're going to get. The good guys are going to win. It's a good story. I get that's that. All. That's what it is. It's just what it is. I get yeah, that. Yeah. I know. I know you like them. Well, you, you like, know, some, I like of them. some procedurals. Yeah. I don't, I, no, no, no. I cannot. I did not ever get into the NCIS. I liked CSI to a point when Peterson left CSI. I was I was done with it because I liked William Peterson in it. I everything else was just like all right enough. I just need a little evolution in the characters, even if it is a procedural. Mm-hmm. I just need I got you some kind of growth. No, I, well, and that that happens, but it generally stays to the same style format. You just grow tired of the show. Grow tired of the of of a show when it gets to that long, right? Uh, I think we talked about a couple episodes ago what NCIS was into its like twenty season or something like that. I'm just like I don't. I mean, I don't know how it does well, but that, you know, I just, I couldn't stay with it that long. Because old people just have it on, All on right. CBS. You're going to get there too. <laughs> You're going to get there too. Let's not crap on old people. Okay. I'm not going to get old. You crap on old freeze myself You're, before I get there. I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> you had Raynor Shine as Mr. Lipnicki, the father. He's in Lincoln, my cousin Vinny. And then he also, I know him from the landlord in Ace Ventura Pet Detective. <laughs> Christine Baranski as Miss Stratford. Uh, she's in The Ref, which is a show we did uh, a while back. Uh, the Birdcage, Mamma Mia, and the TV, The Good Fight. I guess that's an all-access show, right? That's not a that's not on CBS. Right? right. It's a spinoff of no, The Good Wife. The Good Wife, it, yeah. It's just a CBS all-access show, right? Right, yeah. Okay. And then we did Bruce A. Young as Mo Henry. He's in Jurassic Park 3, Phenomenon. <laughs> I, I laugh because in Phenomenon, every time I think of that movie, all I think about is the trailer and John Travolta going, it's the damn light! So anyways, yeah. and he's also a basic instinct. I always remember that. Okay. So Butler, tell me how much you did not like this movie. Go ahead. It was all right. I did not like this movie. I just always like that. You know, when you don't watch the movie, you hadn't seen the movie before and I selected, I'm just like, all right, what's he not going to like about it? I mean, there are, I, I'm not saying it's perfect. There are definitely things that I am not a huge fan of in this movie. Okay. I think this movie kind of grew on me to the point where I was like, it was, it was good. Uh, but there's a lot that I think is not perfect about this movie and there's a lot that i think keeps it as a forgotten film so this movie is is known primarily because it was a movie that signaled elijah woods kind of his presence in terms of in hollywood like it made him like an actor to watch out for kind of thing oh right do you you believe in that absolutely absolutely one of my notes is just like damn that's some acting elijah wood (laughs) like he's how old when he's doing this movie he's got to be 12 11 yeah i would yeah i mean that kid has some emotion and has some range that a kid his age, like we talk about how you hire a lot of older actors because to play younger actors because they can do it sincerely. And when you're younger, you're trying to play as an adult. But I think he just nailed it in every scene. And his, his scene when, uh, spoiler alert, uh, Stephen Simmons, his father, passes away. I was like, holy, holy crap, that's fantastic. When he's yelling about how come God's taking him. God's taking him. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's not, it's his it's fault. Not fair. It's yep. not fair. Yep. 
he's not an angel. He was a bum. You said he was a washed out. And he's like crying and mad. And yep. I was like, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought Lexi was good as well. The actress that played Lydia Joanne, the sister. I was very surprised that she doesn't have more credits. And again, we don't know. Maybe she just wasn't interested and that's fine. Right. Uh, but I didn't. All the love that was given to Elijah Woods from this movie, uh, I don't understand why it wasn't given to her. He's got a lot more emotion in the film. He's got a lot more of the juicier stuff, I would say. She's got the monologue at the end. She's got the, the monologue is, I don't like that. We'll, we can get into that monologue okay. if you want now, but. No, no, that's fine. I find the monologues in the beginning, I found them heavy handed. Are you are you, wait, when you talk about monologue, are you talking about the voiceover? I'm talking about the okay, voiceover. Okay. Well, I, I, I found, which I include her paper. On how she spent her summer break as part of well, the that's monologue. the part of that's the voiceover. That's right. where it's from, supposedly. I, I was not a fan. I found the, that super heavy handed when the movie began and she started talking like that. I actually openly sighed mm -hmm. uh, and put it in. It's like <laughs> openly uh, sighed. I was like me uh, openly sighed. Yeah, I was like, um, you know, I don't like when kids are overly intelligent. Or, you know, I don't like Juno. I don't like that kind of writing style for kids. Oh, I see. But I didn't get a Juno. I didn't get a Juno vibe, but I still got a smarter than you need to be, more heavy handed than you need to be, more. How do you not get that same vibe from Elvedine? Because Elvedine has that big scene when she basically reveals that her uncle, you know, is abusing her, is right. abusing her and, and in the middle of the class in front of everybody. And it's very sassy. It's very, cause it's, that's Elvedine's character. It's sassy. That not it's you? sassy within her character. It's not eloquent and all put together. So great. Lydia is a poor child who went to summer school cause she can't pass her class in Juliet, Mississippi. She should not be able to write a five page paper that sounds like it needs to be published in the New York times or, or something like that. It's just, it's just absolutely unrealistic and goes against her character. I just don't, believe it i see now and it's just it's using a voice that is not her own it does not match the voice that she is in the rest how can of you the say that how can you would make the assumption that because she's poor and i see i don't think she's uneducated i think that she just had to do summer school because they probably she couldn't attend school because they were you know she had to stay around the house to work how could you make that assumption that she's not a good writer but she's writing like she's a 30 year old adult how do you now know, if how you do flash you if you flash back or forward to like she's bookending like her memoir okay but the, i don't it's it's too much it's too it's too heavy-handed it's too on the nose i don't i mean we kind of need the backstory a little bit so at the beginning All right I don't know how you would do it otherwise, but I just think it was too, too eloquent and too not within her character. Yeah, I, I uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with that. Uh, just making that assumption, I don't think she was too heavy-handed. What I, what I and and I really don't think that you can really judge whether that kind of level of writing intelligence could come from just because your place in the world. I will say this: that you know you have to remember that the father just comes back. Because the father came back from Vietnam. He obviously had PTSD and he mentions that in the movie. Right. He has to go to a, they, he goes to go to a mental hospital. That's what he says. He goes, he has to go to recuperate because he has nightmares and he still has them. So it's clearly evident that it's just been the mother and the two kids for a while. For about two years. You're I think they say, yeah. forced to grow up. You're forced to become more of an adult in the house in terms of bringing money in, in terms of taking care of yourself, taking care of your mother. So I can see that path for her to be. Somebody who thinks of the world in not just the way of a 11, 10 year old in that regard, but slightly more mature. Right. So I, yeah, uh, that's I just, why I can make that. I don't think she's I see. I don't I, I thought her 
thing at the end when she's just and when she puts the paper down and she's just talking. I thought she I thought that again, my my thing is that everything that Woods got in terms of uh, appreciation for this movie, I don't see why Randall didn't get in this movie. That's all I'm saying. Um, I didn't think it was heavy handed. Like you think that doesn't say you're wrong. I'm right. I'm just saying I don't think that. I, I don't know. I, and then Miss uh, Stratford agree, like nodding, like yes. Yeah, the Stratford yes. stuff is. It's like and you, now it's not segregated. Uh, the classrooms not segregated. Thing. Here's the thing. It's like you can't you can't do a movie in the South in the '70s or in the South in in the past without referencing racism at some point. Well, I get that. You know what I mean? But it's just it feels like it's just like okay, here's here's the racist character and move on. And it's yeah, we haven't added a racist character yet. Everyone's and, real accepting. Right. And well. it's just and then and then the next time you see Miss Stratford, she's listening to the speech. And that's that speech is not changing her. You know what I mean? That that not like Lexi makes the claim in the beginning when she says oh, Eldine's gonna sit up front because she can't see her well, and you know, and she you know gives her a little attitude yeah. in trouble, and the, and the mother's yelling on. But like you, I mean, maybe we're missing a scene, but it's just two scenes with Stratford. Yeah, we must be missing like, a scene. Because eh. the very first time we met meet her, she not so cleverly. Mm-hmm. Puts each uh, black child in the back. Yeah, because yeah, because she's because yeah, she's racist. Exactly. And then you see that then all the black kids are looking around like, holy crap, did she just really do that? Yeah, but they're but here's the thing: they're not. See, that's the thing though. Let's let's. You're thinking of it as it's 2020. This is 1970. Well, they're they're accepting, they're, it, but they're they're, they're looking accept, at each other. They're not accepting. They're just like here. They're we just go yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. They're like really. Yeah. I thought the best thing they did in this movie when they addressed race was when uh, Lydia's Lydia says the N word. Yep. And she says it because she thinks that she's just friends with with Elvedine and, and Elvedine gives her shit for it. And she says, you can't say that. And, and not she's my friend apologizing. Yep. But it's like I'm sitting there going, wow, an actual they're actually having a conversation where it's it's believable. It's understandable. She made it. You know what I mean? She. No, I, I like that scene a lot. Abs- yeah. And she gives her the, she takes her ring back from her. But then she gives her the ring back when she stands up for her in class. I thought that was I thought that stuff, the relationships between the girls, I thought those were really done well. No. Yeah, yeah. that they were really, really great. And I, that's why I don't know. I mean, we needed Miss Stratford to be who she was mm-hmm. to get to that point, mm-hmm. to get that end point where she gets the mood ring back. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we must be missing a scene where we've cut back at the end and the class is no longer segregated and yeah, Miss Stratford smiling I, I, like, yeah. I'd like to think that whether it was in the script more or whether it was just they cut it, they shot it, but they cut. But there was, I think... Not that there's because here's the thing, like we always come to the point in, in terms of movies where we're like, oh, we want more of this, but it's going to add 15 to 20 minutes to the movie. So right. is the war going to do well if it's a two and a half hour movie, if you put 20, 25 minutes addressing that? The war is long enough. Whoa. <laughs> but I just, you know, so it's kind of like you want it in there, but you understand if it was cut for pacing, uh, you know, but. Right. Why don't you because you've already made several references to your uh dissatisfaction with the storytelling in the war. So why don't you explain your biggest bugaboo about the war's kind of story overall? What are they? I mean, I get the theme, but I think it's a little all over the place. What's the theme? The theme is um, like make love, not war. That war doesn't solve anything. War doesn't solve anything. Love solves problems. Acceptance solves problems. Uh, Hate and violence is not the answer. And that's a great theme. And I think, in some scenes, they do play it really well. And I, I do like a lot of the moments with Stu and Steven talking about that kind of stuff. Right. But the whole time I'm thinking, who is this movie for? Kids? Adults? It's, it's whoever, it's, whoever it's, needs it. Yeah, I, I just. Whoever needs to hear this lesson. Are we doing a story about Stu and Steven? Are we doing a story about the kids in the tree fort? Are we doing a story about Lydia and her friends? 
And it's not like these stories aren't intersecting. I, I, I can't say they're like separate stories. That don't go anywhere. They don't wrap them up. They do. But I just feel like each of them should be the focus. And by having three, it eliminates the focus on the other ones and kind of lessens the the story. And I find that the treehouse parts at the end are a little much to the point where it really kind of took me out of of the film a little bit. I was like, wow, now we're doing a Home Alone shtick. And that's kind of, yeah, and that's more for kids and like, but is it, it's not really a family movie. And well, you also have the, we haven't talked about the Lip Nickies real well, but you know, the Lip Nickies are the, the enemy. The, are the are the the antagonists to right. Stu's, you know, they're the bad kids. Right. So I get well, that. I mean, yeah. Yeah. They're dirty. They're really dirty. <laughs> Billy's really dirty. But um, but yeah, so I, I should say everybody's dirty in this movie. Everyone's just grimy and dirty and they probably stink. But, you know, I get yeah. it. You're, you're in the deep south, poor south. Um, I mean, I think that when you're watching this movie and you're 90 minutes into this movie, 100 minutes in and all you have to deal with is the lip Nicky's like constantly berating. Stewart being a thorn in Stu's side and just being bullying and, and right. You want, you know, you you really want to get back at them. You want to you want that. I didn't want that. What, what do you? Want? I didn't want that. As soon as he hands, as soon as Stephen hands the cotton candy right. to those kids, and then uh, Stu goes, you know, those are the kids who beat me up, right? Yeah. And he goes, yes, but they look like they haven't been given anything in a very long time. And Stu seems to know that learn that lesson and seems, but Stu was told about Steven's whole thing in Vietnam and stuff like that. He gets the whole lesson and then goes and they literally try to murder each other. So it you does t- become like a kid's fight. You tell me how you learn a lesson well better. Is it when somebody tells you the lesson or when you have to actually learn it on your own? No, I get that. So that's, that's I get the whole that. point. But like, as an audience member, I don't want that war. I don't want that. Of war. course and you as don't. A, as a kid. Yeah, maybe I do. But I'm not watching this as a kid. I get you. Of course you don't. You want. But you but when you watch that and you know that the war them fighting isn't going to solve anything, but you need to see them learn that lesson. Like if you what's worse, you watch this, you watch that ending mm-hmm. and you don't. And that scene where Stu's looking down and everybody beating the crap out of each other and realizing that this is ridiculous. You is that better for you or is it better if. If Stu just like doesn't learn that lesson and just is like, yeah, and, and you know what I mean? It seemed like Stu learned that lesson when they took the fort and he goes, fine, have it, whatever. And like, well, we could share it. We could do it. He's, he's learning that lesson. And I don't believe for a second that simply saving Billy teaches any of these kids a lesson that love is stronger than the fighting. Their fighting is so, in, it, maybe it's, it's probably because their fighting is so intense that it's beyond kind of a redemption i think mm-hmm. it is it is so overblown and it is so much um the tomato launchers were cool the smoke bombs i mean it i mean it was an oh, interesting to watch was it apples they or was it tomatoes apples, okay yeah. the apples the smoke Those bombs hurt. the bees oh yeah he getting hit by an apple i imagine yeah hit in the head but like that made sense and then they're throwing molotov cocktails well, the, they're actually the, the trying li- to strangle and murder each other would be that's the lip nicky's bringing the molotov cocktails they live in the dump for crying Listen, out I loud get that they're back. i just it becomes to the point where it's like an actual, these kids are going to actually murder each other, that it's so far beyond redemption after just a simple, like, like saving Billy's life. That it, I don't think it teaches them the lesson that they were literally murdering each other. That I think that it kind of muddles the movie's themes. And again, like I think the movie is kind of all over the places, especially kind of some of Steven's stuff. I think he kind of comes in and out. And I get that maybe it's because it's Kevin Costner and if it was a kind of a character actor or a lesser known actor it wouldn't be as jarring it wouldn't have made, it wouldn't have got the money to, to, but it wouldn't yeah, yeah exactly they wouldn't have this movie i get mm. why you put kevin costner in this but it almost seems like 
you're taking him in and out for no reason and then like you kill him off it's not his story abruptly i know it's, it's not his story st- it's but that, i think that does the film a disservice by having kevin costner play this role which he's fantastic in i got you especially when he boogers in elijah wood's hair i saw that yeah, <laughs> and I he tries that to fix it real quick when he's crying he's got that scene and it's, he's like i'm like oh god but <laughs> I, you know whatever they're at it's fine it's fine uh see i don't i, I disagree with you on your points and i say that with great respect we're not going to have a war, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I just, I don't, I, I it seems like you're looking for a, a, a war at the end of the movie or not a war, but like a, the thing is like war is not good. You know, it's not, and it's not pleasant and it's not nice and it doesn't fit into a little compartment. So if it gets out of control and it turns into something that's really violent, I think that just accentuates that point that to stew that, you know, what you know like he talks about you have a split second where you can make a decision that you regret for the rest of your life no i get yeah. you know what i mean and like almost like Stu is almost at that point and he's got to rectify that um and like the lipnickies are not i mean they're kids but i mean their father's beating the crap out of them you know what i mean oh, like the for, Lipnickis, for sure. he's like, feeding them rats oh, yeah is he, is he feeding them the rats Oh yeah, why, why is he carrying that rat inside? Well, he because well, he shot the rat. Was he teaching the other rats a lesson by bringing it inside? I don't know why he put it in his pocket. He's eating that rat. But he's eating that rat. <laughs> I love. I mean, I I love when uh, Stephen grabs him at the oh, when he's like, "Don't push me." I'm like, "Yeah, that's right. That's I, I, right." I don't want to have to, but you will push me to a point where I will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's right. That's right. I was like, so I was so happy with that. <laughs> But then, like later on, this is when they're at the uh, auction, and then later on, they're beating the crap out of uh, of Stu, and like in front of like fifty people. Yeah, all the adults, none of the adults pull them off. And they're all just watching. Get them! <laughs> uh, like, what? Do something! How about you stop? You you clearly see that one. The kids are grabbing one kid, holding him up, so the other kids can hit him, and you're just kind of like sitting there, like, yep, yeah, all right. It's better than anything I've seen on TV this week. Oh my god! <laughs> come on, do something. <laughs> let me ask you this have you ever seen a shirt like uh stevens when he's going to the auction the white shirt with the pocket on the stomach no it was ripped the pocket was ripped i didn't see his it was, was he wearing over. like a white shirt then? yeah okay it was, it was i was wondering at the whole time like is I that think, a rip or is that a pocket at I, first think I, thought it was ripped a rip, he, I like, i think he ripped it when he knocks down uh Mr. Lipnicki. I think right. that's when he rips it. I had to rent it so it's not streaming. If it was streaming, I'd go back and try to figure it out. I could swear I couldn't see any skin. So I was like, what is going on? But I, I will say, though, I think that the pocket shifts. I think it goes to the other side at one point. <laughs> but I'm not 100% sure on that. No, I, I, I got the impression that it ripped it at some was, point. It was okay. ripped. Yeah, that's what I, I mean. He's, they're, they're, they're poor. Well, they, I know, you know they're I mean? poor. Yeah. They get whatever they can. The yeah. car keeps stalling. Do you, would you have liked this movie to have an ending where you see the kids older, like where they are in their lives after? I was expecting that. I was half expecting Lydia to be writing the story in college where you don't have to change your voice too much. You could still have the same voice, but like show an older one writing, writing something down in college, maybe. Or at the very least, at the end, when they go into the house, I was expecting that house um, to see the house built up to fade. Yeah. Into into it as its prime condition. Yeah. But I, I didn't get that. I would have liked something like that. Would you have wanted that? Yeah. Because because given you don't want that in movies. But in this movie, you almost want that. They're giving me a happy ending. They're giving me something. So just 
they're giving you the beginning of what the happy ending is going to be, but they don't give you the, the full happy ending. Happens. It's like yeah. they tease me with the happy ending. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I, I, I would have preferred that. Yeah. But I like, I like the ending. I like seeing, you know, the, the Simmons family on the, yep. which you kind of know what's going to happen by the end. Oh yeah. yeah. Cause they kind of really foreshadow that by <laughs> zooming in on it earlier, but I liked that a lot. I like the ending. It's a little sappy. It's a little, you know, perfect. Other than, you know, the dad being dead. <laughs> well, they, well they, you know, they, they get a break. But it's nice. Yeah, yeah they finally yeah. get a break after you watch them just yeah. lose everything over and over and over. Yeah. Uh, so it was nice to see that. Well, like he saves and, you know, he saves, he saves Mo. He saves his life because, you know, because he's that you knew that something like it makes sense when that happens, because obviously one of his greatest regrets is that he leaves his friend behind who's dying because he can't get on the chopper at the right. The so he needed war. to redeem himself. Yeah. You, so he, he wasn't going to leave him. He wasn't going to make that choice again. Yeah. You just leave me. You know, I can't. Right. Right. But I, I but then you don't see Mo anymore. And I kind of I was expecting Mo to kind of be part of the family after to that help point. help out and just even if he's just checking in just to kind of like say help hey, him build the house, maybe maybe something. But right. like you don't ever see him again. So uh, that was a little bit of eh, I kind of wanted to not that I need him to be like you need to say thank you. But I, I don't know, just kind of see what that relationship would go um, in terms of his Staying relationship in with the family. family. Yeah, that's all. No, absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that. I was like, oh, when that rock hits Kevin Costner's face, face, right in the nose. Even if that was foam, just filming the scene, that had to have hurt. <laughs> Costner was probably like, oh, my God. Put it around my fish, John. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, his Do nose it. flattens. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> and yet they go like, his, he has lung damage. And I was like, lung damage? He's, his brain guts going. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, the Lipnickies go down the cart there's all this like just useless junk everywhere that they gal can play with and they get into the cesspool or whatever that is how do they not all have some kind of vd after that how they're so they... dirty they're just immune yeah Oof. that was gross although the cart thing did seem pretty cool i was, I was like they were going down rock i want to go down that no way pass it wasn't a steep rock how about climbing up to the water tower no yeah. not, no hell no <laughs> look at the roof of that thing yeah no i don't even know exactly what that is Water pumps into that and then into the quarry. I guess. But what are you? What's the point? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I didn't. I didn't get it either. In the whirlpool. Well, because it's draining drains and then they put more water into it and then the suction stops, I guess. Yeah. And you can come back up. Yeah. Yeah. I I, it's like a night. It was like a nightmare thing Uh, that very much reminded me of something like Stand By Me or it or a Stephen King film where you see something in the through the eyes of a kid. Like maybe in reality it doesn't look like that, but that's yeah. how the kids see it. Well, kids don't play like this anymore. There's not kids just walking around. I mean, not that I'm trying to, you know, get off my lawn kind of thing. But, you know, <laughs> it's a different world now, obviously, with good reason. But you know, you just don't have just kids hanging around the dump or just kids just hanging around. Well, you, you know? we used to go to like abandoned buildings and stuff like that. Uh, you, what? Yeah, uh, not really. Those I mean, abandoned factories. I used to never, a couple not, of, when I would bit. hang out when I was younger. It was you know go to the ball field, play some ball, or hang out with my friends, and you know just go do sports stuff. I wasn't like, hey, let's go check out this abandoned yard or anything like no, that. Sometimes I, sometimes I, I mean, did. I, but like, we're not in, not to the point where they're doing it though. Obviously, yeah. I mean, they're not. That's not really suburbia. It's just it's country. You know what I mean? I we I never grew up in the country where you could just you know walk around, hang out on someone's farm all the time. No, no. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's just a different, it's a different living experience. So yeah, uh, that's not something I'm familiar with. I love my, my, one of my favorite moments is when Alva Dean pulls out the cigarette at the kitchen table and she starts lighting it up. And Steven's like, how are you doing? Yeah, he's just like, what's going on? Ah, <laughs> uh, not great. 
she's really good in this movie. And I, again, I'm surprised that the actress didn't really go on and do anything else. I thought she was good. I liked her. I, yep. mean, I thought her monologue was heartbreaking when she's talking about, you know, how she got the $20 uncle. and the only reason she got $20 most money made is because she let her uncle spank her. Yep. Just like, oof, God. I got it on a birthday card, but it wasn't my birthday. And she was like, I'll probably get $20 next year. I'm just like, oh, God. Who knows what he's going to do? Like, that's what she says. I'm just like, this is just awful. Well, that's why Lydia stands up and goes, did you not hear a word yeah, she just said? Exactly. She just told you her uncle molested her. You're supposed to do something about that. <laughs> and she did nothing. Bowl full of cherries. I also like when they're going to the junkyard and Elvedine is like, he's going to shoot us because if I was him, I'd shoot us. And if I were white, I'd aim for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, she, yeah, she knows the score. Yeah. yeah it's ridiculous. So they pay a billion I love when they pay billion dimes and you see him with all the quarters at the end yeah. and he buys so much ice cream he passes out. Yeah. That they're all like, well, look what I like I love the father. Look what you did. You let him do that. What are you so mad about? That he ate well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he shouldn't be eating ice cream. Do you have a shopping bag? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man, that is a lot of ice cream at once. Well, back to the Elvadine stuff with Lydia. I like the fact that you kind of see Lydia's education in terms of relationships with people you know race relationships with, with you know with people of color like just kind of like you see her kind of like all kids have to do when they grow up and they have experiences and they learn i i really enjoy the elvadine amber uh, lydia relationship stuff more so than i do with Stu and his friends because his friends are just you know his friends suck his friends are like we're <laughs> out of here all right we'll come back it's like yes come on now that the treehouse is built you'll come back and like one of the kids is big he's like 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 i'm looking at this kid i'm going you're gonna be playing high school football pretty soon probably oh, for sure. yeah you know, what are you scared of but uh i i don't know i just like the girls relationships and there's a lot of stuff in there that is more i guess meaningful in terms of growing up meaningful in terms of you know as you get older and learning, you know, values of life and values of, of just kind of like uh, being a decent person, you know, rather than oh, like for boys sure. are just being, and that makes sense because girls mature faster than boys because boys are just kind of like, Oh, we're all going to build a fort. And you know, they're whatever. Yeah. And Stu is obviously forced to grow up because he deal uh, Mike, because of the situation, as you alluded to like her father yeah. passing away and he had that moment. So yeah, you get that. Steven is always trying to teach his son lessons throughout the film as well. Right. So he actually gets these lessons. He gets these war stories that you don't normally tell a kid that young. Right. And I also feel like Stu is with Lydia enough that Stu kind of gets a little bit more mature as well. Just by proxy. I just think because he's with the three of them. I just think, again, going back to what I was talking about earlier was. That because the father's been away for so long in a war and then two they have to be together. I yeah. think they have to be mature in terms of taking care of their mother and helping around the house and, and, and whatnot. And just understanding that, you know, they don't have a lot and they have to value what they have. Um, friends being one of them. I, I think that they're forced into that. And, right. But uh, it's funny. And again, I'm going back again to what I was saying before. But, you know, this is usually in movies. You don't really want to see like. Oh, how did they turn out? But in this movie, I do. And I really wanted to see like. I was just, expecting like an American graffiti type. <laughs> Stu went off and did this. Oh, and, maybe. And yeah. that. Something where you wrap up what, their, what happened to their characters. I would have liked to have seen something where maybe they come back for Christmas or something or the holiday and to visit their mother and they're older or something like you see all the all the adults the adult versions of right and they have their own kids and stuff like that i don't know i don't know why stu's got a stu's got a son named steven it's just such a harrowing summer it's the summer is just a lot of stuff they deal with the loss of father they had this giant fight with the lipnickies they have these life lessons they had to learn that the 
combat racism in the classroom. Just like the, you just think the, through all of that, you wanted to see how they turned out on the other end. Maybe, you know, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't have to be able to see that. Just the fact that they get the house in the end, that should be good enough for me. So maybe I should, you know, okay, exactly. fine. Be, be happy with what you got. <laughs> <laughs> Lipstick and rouge. I got you. Start writing the war too. No, I'm not. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, so on a whole, you don't like this movie. On the whole, I like it. Okay. My problem with it is that I can understand why the reviews aren't great for it and why it was kind of forgotten, why you have to scroll down, you know, eight pages down a list to try to find it. That's a 90s movie. Which, which, once again, it's a 90s movie again. That wasn't huge. And it just seems like there's a lot of 90s movies, not to cut you off, but this seems like there's a lot of 90s movies that just fall through the cracks. Yeah. You know, if you're not like uh, iconic, like Scream or, or, you know, some of the other horror films in the, in during the 90s or like The Fugitive or In the Line of Fire or something like that, or even Interview with the Vampire, if you're not like one of these you know what I mean? I feel like they have those have clear audiences and the movies that we're having trouble with don't have a clear audience. Like, who is this movie for? Mm. This isn't a kid's movie. But it is kind of a kid's movie. Do you think that the 90s is a decade that is when more f- features, more films were being produced like than previous decades, like 80s and 70s? So, oh, for, for instance, sure. Like you're used to opening on a Friday night with three or four new movies, maybe sometimes five. In the 80s, that's not like that. But in the 90s, that's kind of where you started getting that. You know, do you think that you're starting? That's why we see a lot of these movies in the 90s that you don't hear from anymore. I think that's the case. I think that in the 90s, they started to do films that had the presentation of a bigger film, but had the slow burn or the presence of a movie from the early 80s or the late 70s. Those kind of slow burn. It's about the theme. It's about the characters kind of a movie where it's not flashy. And the 90s is kind of a mix of that where it's. Not just who is this for, but it's not something that people are digesting now yeah. because they're just simply a movie like The War doesn't get made today. It is a very different movie. Well, you, yeah, that, that, that's like a focus discuss- group. That enters, and- well, yes. And that also answers the discussion of the how the 20 to $80 million movies have disappeared all, altogether. You don't have those. Uh, right. That's all part of that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I could. I, I think if The War got made now, I think it would be a different. It would be a absolutely. They, they'd movie. have shown it to Universal Pictures. They'd have gone into a focus group. Someone would be like, "I wanted more Costa, or I wanted more of the kids being kids," and they'd go back and refilm it. And Maybe. kind of, even if that wasn't the story they're trying to tell, that is the story they would cater to. Listen, I get it. I I know that we talk about analytics a lot in terms of just the podcast itself, right? Off off mic, as you were, <laughs> and you want to try to study trends and try to f- find like where your audience is, but you know. To me, focus groups an F word, and you know what I mean. Like I don't, I don't like it as a creator. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want my movie or my my story to be focus grouped into something else. You know what I mean? Like uh, I gotta cancel a meeting for next Friday that I can. No, I just, you know <laughs> what I mean. I just, I, I just, it's one thing to sit around and net and talk about uh, an industry in terms of talking about like how you, you know, what you want to do, what you want to like, you know, or a new app or a new. Um, a new service that's different. That's, mm-hmm. but when you've already have a completed, you've told somebody to make a story and you already have a completed story. And then you're going to be like, Oh, that's great. Thanks. We're going to show it to these 20 people now. And if they don't like it, you're going to change it. That that's, uh, that's, that's stupid. Right. And, but I, that, that happens. I know. I, I, absolutely. But it's still you know, stupid. You don't get like, this movie. The only movie I can think of that's kind of like the war in terms of how it's presented is like three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Mm-hmm. That movie did its own thing. There's no way focus groups liked a lot of that movie, and right. yet they presented it. And that movie is 
absolutely fantastic, I think. But Do you, yeah. That movie is one. You get maybe one or two of those movies a year now. I know. And that that's the, the 90s. I think you used to get a ton of them. Yes. That's what that's. And I think that's that why bothers war, me. Yeah, that bothers me because I don't because then what ends up happening is with focus groups and what ends up with when you have all these cooks in the kitchen kind of thing, or, or you take the strangers to tell you what to how to make a story. You get the same thing. You get the same type of story done the same way. And it's like, absolutely yeah. after a while. You just lose. It's not that you. It's not that you don't like them. It's not that you're just like, oh, that movie's that movie's no good. It's stupid. But you get desensitized to it. And that if you have ten movies and they're all the same, mm -hmm. but there's that one movie that's really done well, it doesn't matter because you lump it within all the other nine, yep. and you, it has no impact on you whatsoever. And that's why I think it's like. Let me ask you, like a studio like A twenty four. Where they right. did the witch and they've done um, they've done a bunch of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Do you think they focus group their movies? Do you think Midsummer was focus grouped? Absolutely not. Exactly. So it's like oh, they they're giving that guy what? Uh, we just talked about it did. on the last we, episode I, it was released. Did. I know, I know. Uh, but he's doing what a four or six hour movie next. Right, right. They clearly didn't care because a focus group was going to go. Yeah. Well, that's too long, and it is. But yeah, they're still doing it because they just want creators to create, and that's awesome. I love a twenty four movies, even if I don't like them. I respect the hell. I can watch a movie, and if it's enough, I'm like, I don't, I'm not, a, I don't like it. It wasn't a big thing, but I can still say what they were able to do, what they wanted to do, and I, and I respect that. And Absolutely, not, and I got nothing negative to say about that. I'm always interested in an A24 movie, even if the trailer, I go, Meh. yeah, I still kind of want to give it a shot because yeah. it's going to be different. Yeah. So you know, I don't know how we got off on uh, because on we were wondering why this was forgotten and what I thought yeah. of this movie. I, I agree. I think, yeah. but overall, I do really like this movie. I think the acting is absolutely fantastic. I think there are a couple of kind of heartbreaking moments in the film. There are a couple of fun parts. There's there's some comedy in there as well. There's some lightheartedness that I enjoy. I enjoy, again, that this is a 90s movie that you don't get very often. Yeah. You know, I talk about the heavy handedness, but that really is only at the beginning and the end. The rest of the movie I did enjoy, and it did hook me in. Does this movie make you want to see Elijah Wood in more dramas and less? Do you think Lord of the Rings hurt him? I mean, not financially. Uh, <laughs> financially, it helped no, him a lot. No. But um, and I know he he's a big horror guy, right? He likes he's a big horror, horror movies, film. He's a huge producer a now. Okay, but he's see, making a lot of his own stuff, which is fine. Which is perfectly. But I, did it hurt great. him? I don't know because he's got a British accent. He's all done up. He's not exactly the same person he is with, out of makeup and hair. Yeah, but it's it's a, it's a fantasy. Did it hurt movie. Viggo Mortensen? Did it hurt? I don't know if Lord no, of the Rings really Viggo movies. Viggo Mortensen, you've seen him in the history of war. I'm sorry, the history, history of violence, violence uh, Eastern Promises. Like he's, I get that. Yeah, I'm saying like but these movies came. Some of these came in this, You see Elijah Wood in this movie. I mean, don't you want to see him in more stuff like this now that he's an adult and you know that he can handle that? For sure. Yeah. I just don't know if he's interested. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I, that, that's, that's, there's, that's perfectly a good case can be made for that, and that's fine. I'm I think there's curious. also the case, and I, I didn't really go into his filmography to see, but it, it, he's not in a whole ton of stuff it seems that like big name stuff until Lord of the Rings. And then afterward again, it seems like he kind of he fades off a little bit, comes back. Do, yeah. And, yeah and that might just been him a whole time. And I'm not, I'm not looking upon that negatively. I'm just curious yeah. as you know, like I said, he's really good. I know you don't want to watch Wilford cause it's a guy in a big dog costume, but it, that's a very emotional show that sure. Elijah Wood does have a lot of range in that too. He's I already a, know how to, he's so a suicidal yeah. depressed yeah. you know, guy the whole time. And he's got a lot of issues and there's a lot of emotion in that. It's really a drama 
sure. with comedy. I'm it. watching Star Trek Next Generation. You can, enough, enough with the suggestions. I don't know if you'd like Wilfred. Well, I'm just saying thing. that. Here's the thing. I've suggested plenty of movies and shows to you, and you don't that. want, and you don't watch that. I'll get to it. So him. don't start, don't start suggesting <laughs> shows to me. But yeah, nah, I just never was interested. I but saw I, a couple episodes and I was just like, yeah. I think that shows his range too. But yeah, I think he does what he wants. I think he really likes stuff like The Faculty. No, and those kind of like horror movies. Like the faculty, you're doing the faculty because it's the early 90s. It's Kevin Williamson. It's Robert Rodriguez. No, it's I a think huge film. I think that might have gotten him into where he is now, where he's doing horror movies. That's what I'm saying. Well, I think he likes horror movies. I think yeah. it's very evident that because he, he was in, wasn't he in the remake of Maniac? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's now he's doing them because he likes them, which That's is what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. That's no, his thing. Problem with that. Yeah. All right, Mike, where can everyone find us? Uh, that's great. That's I'm great. just kidding. You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. You can also find us wherever podcasts are available. Clearly, you're listening to us, so you found us. Please rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us out a lot. You can also find us on the social medias at Forgotten Cinema or Forgotten Cinema Pod, depending on where you are. We post stuff every weekday, and we post fun little commercials every Thursday about the episodes that had just come out. Go check those out. And we've got a lot of stuff in the pipeline. Just keep an eye on Forgotten Cinema. You'll see what's going on. I don't know. You're going to do some big teasing stuff there. Nice. I don't know when what's coming out or anything. I'm just <laughs> letting people know there's stuff in the pipeline, which may or may not well, be out that's by the what, time that's they're what, listening. That's what the 30-second ads are for. We can always just put our own ads. That's when you get specific. Yeah. yeah. We can always <laughs> just say, hey, wait till the end of the episode. We've got an ad announcing something new we're doing. Yeah, a sponsor that paid us a lot of money. Whoa, all right. So join us next week as we're going to be doing uh, Spy Game from 2001, starring Robert Redford and Brad Pitt. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's a Butler suggestion, so Field's going to hate it. Field has not seen this movie in all its totality, so yes. It's got Robert Redford in it, though, so at least we know one part Field will like. I do like, and it's doppelganger Brad Pitt. (laughs) (laughs) So that's next week's Spy Game. Till then, I am Mike Field. And I'm Mike Butler. This has been Forgotten Cinema.